You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. Open your Bibles to Hebrews. We're going to finish off the year. If you've not yet seen the worship God opened it up, then maybe you haven't noticed that we're going to be talking today about something very unique and special. This is one of those sermon titles that I had to sit down and kind of think about, but I'm a poet, you know? So I came up with a a little short poem for my title, An Upward View in 2022. How do you like it? Is that okay? So An Upward View in 2022. And uh, just a unique way to approach the, the, the new year because we're about to begin it. Church, we are six days away from 2022. It just seems like it was yesterday that we were in 2020. And remember that year and and how unusual it was. And now 2021, really not a whole lot different than 2020 as far as the the culture, the nation, the politics, the, uh, you know, the the, the plunging of immorality. I mean, just so many things that have been very unusual in the past two years. Now we face a new year. Jesus may come this year. Amen. And I don't expect any amens on this one, but, but I may go this year. You may go this year. We, we have no idea what the new year holds. But one thing we do know, and this is something I want you to mark in your notes this morning as we begin the message. One thing you do know is we must face this new year with power and with faith and with joy and determined to live in victory in 2022. That's the goal. So there's no better way to end the year than with a message that is inspirational, somewhat motivational. We've been already encouraged in a, our testimonial during our worship time to keep our eyes on Jesus. We're going to finish there at the end of this message. So stay, stay focused on, on, on the sermon, on the points, on the thoughts as we determine this year to live in victory. Now, what you're going to notice about our text is this, is that life is is like an ocean. And I want you to see that in the text as we read it in just a moment. The writer of Hebrews is going to be speaking in in terms of of, of some nautical terms, like a mariner, like a sea pilot. There are winds in life. There are currents in life. In fact, the song we just sang a moment ago, Cornerstone, right, talked about storms, So oftentimes in songs that are written, the word storm will be written. And we refer oftentimes to certain weather situations that come into our lives and and begin to upset things. The tides of life, the currents of life, things that we just do not expect and did not know were there. And so guess what we're doing? We are starting a new year facing some unchartered waters. That's right. As we look ahead, we we really have no idea what we're going to face in the new year. And so as we sail into these unchartered waters, I want to encourage you with Hebrews chapter 2, beginning in verse number 1. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift from it. For since the message declared by the angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? 
It was declared at first by the Lord. It was attested to us by those who heard. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Let's stop there for just a moment. We're going to refer to some other passages in Hebrews, but whether you realize it or not, we have just read a scene from the sea. And the writer of Hebrews here is talking about bringing a ship into its harbor. Life is is like that. Life is like a ship. We are sailing on an ocean and there is a destination that all of our lives are headed towards. You know, on vacation this year, we really had a great time in Florida. And we visited a friend who's been here before. Some of you remember Jim Maxim. He retired, went to Florida, and he bought a boat. And so when we got there, the weather was perfect and he had just finished and got his mariner's license. He had gone to school. It was incredible how intense it was for him to be able to be a sea pilot on an ocean with a pretty large boat. So I began to ask a lot of questions. What, what all was that involved in that? And he talked about how he had taken his boat from the Florida Keys all the way to the Bahamas. I said, wait a minute. You, you, you sailed a boat to the Bahamas. I mean, is that just like getting in your car and going to McDonald's? I mean, is that like getting a drop? No, no, it's much more difficult than that. There's a whole lot more involved in, in sailing a boat and, and piloting a vessel on the waters. And I was amazed that as, as I began to talk with him, and I'm going to refer to that conversation two or three times during, during the message to make my point here. But notice later, uh, rather earlier in the text, we read this, we must pay much closer attention. I really want you to understand that. I want you to think about that with me for just a moment. As we head into the new year, we must pay much closer attention. I found out this from Jim. It's very difficult to bring a ship into the harbor. There's a whole lot of concentration. There's not much you can, you can do while you're taking your ship into the harbor and looking at other places. Uh, I was reminded, Cody, as you began to speak to us a little bit today about looking down and, and not looking up and not looking forward and not paying attention to what's around you. That was excellent. Kind of comes right alongside these thoughts of paying much closer attention. A ship never just drifts into the harbor, Jim said. The most skillful part of being a sea pilot, he said, is bringing a ship into the harbor. Notice later on it says this in that same verse. Not only should we pay much closer attention, but notice secondly it says, lest we drift away from it. I want you to picture with me this morning a ship coming into a harbor. Trying to avoid rocks and other ships. Paying close attention, as the Hebrew writer says here. He's talking about the danger of drifting in life. The danger of just kind of, I'm sorry when I just go through the motions. Drifting. Just sort of doing life without paying attention. Just going through the motions and and living life carelessly. That's what he's writing about, the danger of drifting the danger of living an aimless life you see the worst thing that could happen to us this year would be for us to just drift through it that's the worst thing that could happen 
Now, we've got an opportunity this morning as we pay much closer attention throughout the rest of the message to not do that, but that would be the worst thing, just to drift through 2022 aimlessly with no direction, no goals, no thought about tomorrow, no thought about what my life is going to be like, how I'm going to parent, how I'm going to spend my finances, how am I going to read my Bible through this year? Are we going to drift through 2022? I say, church, no way. Not me, not you, not us. Oh, may we listen today as we look to this text and discover three ways to have an upward view in 2022. And I'm going to give that person permission to get that, because that'll not be crazy, the whole sermon, right? There. Yeah, thank you. All right, good, 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 good. Yeah, all right, it gets good. All right, thanks, Scott. Number one, are you ready? Number one, decide. You must decide to have If you're going to have an upward view in 2022, decide to have a fixed direction. A fixed direction. Let me ask you this question before I get into these thoughts. Do you have that? Do you have a fixed direction? You see, drifting is so easy to do. That's why I started off with this thought. Because it's so easy to drift. What causes drifting? The winds caused drifting. The currents caused drifting. The tides would cause drifting. And I've discovered this. You don't have to decide to drift. You will drift unless you decide not to drift. It'll just happen. And that's why we need an anchor. And we're going to talk about that anchor at the end of our message as we respond to this. There is in my life and there is in your life a constant pull away from God. It's constant. It's like the gentleman walking down the street struggling with lust. Yes, that's a constant pull for every man in this room. It's going to be constant unless you have a fixed direction. Like the songwriter said, Oh, to grace, how great a debtor. Daily I'm constrained to be like, let's see, uh, let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Man, I just, I just feel that way, God. I just, I'm prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love, the God I worship every Sunday, the God that I'm committed to, the God that has saved me. I'm prone to wander. I feel it, God. I'm prone to leave the God I love. But God, take my heart and seal it to your courts above. And the only way to do that is I've got to be fixed. My eyes have to be fixed on him. The winds are coming this year. They're going to blow hard on your life. The tides are coming. The currents are coming. We must have a fixed direction. There's the winds of worldliness. There's the winds of circumstances. The currents of carnality. There's the pull of the old nature. All of these things will cause you to drift. You know what I found out about drifting from Jim? I said, Jim, how do you know? I mean... We're out in the middle of the ocean in this boat. We can barely see the shore now. We're way out there. And I'm I'm starting to say, can we turn around? I'm getting nervous. I mean, my whole family's on this thing. I've heard stories. He's already told me he sunk a ship once. Yeah, the first ship he bought. 
It sunk. It was like a really expensive, nice ship. And I said, do you have insurance? He goes, yeah, I had insurance, but it still was a tragedy. I was just starting off, and I, I wasn't understanding these things. I was in training. So I'm thinking, man, maybe, <laughs> I mean, you know, he just got his license. You know, maybe we should turn around. How do we know where we are? Because drifting is so deceptive. You drift before you even realize it. It's so slow. It's so silent. It's so sure. You can quickly find yourself in a storm on the rocks, lost at sea, and fail to reach the harbor. May I say this this morning respectfully? We are a congregation of drifters. I say that in love. I say that honestly with with humility. I join you in this statement that there is no one here that is not prone to drift. It's deceptive. And it's so subtle that we don't even know it's happening. And that's the reason why the writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1, Therefore we must pay closer attention to what we have heard lest we drift from it. May I suggest this morning as we face 2022, can I place this thought into your mind that we don't even realize sometimes when it's happening to us. We don't realize it. The things that we allow in our families. I mean, we're on the cusp of a new year, some, a new year with some New Year's resolutions. May I suggest that It might be good to pay close attention to your family. Is it drifting? Are there some things you've neglected in your family? Entertainment that we watch. Could it be that we need to ask ourselves, is there some entertainment that needs to go in my life? Is it taking me down? Am I I just sort of, that's no big deal. It's not really affecting me. It's not not a problem. I'm I'm good. I read my Bible. I go to church. I'm okay. Is there some entertainment that maybe in our lives is subtly causing us to drift? Maybe the crowd we hang out with, young people. Could it be that we need to reevaluate the, the crowd that we're hanging out with? Could, could it be that, that, that just deceitfully and suddenly we are drifting as a result of that society itself, culture itself is causing, as I see it, a lot of churches just to drift because we're, we're sort of just sort of, you know, we don't want to cause any, any stir, any rift. We let, maybe let's, that's not a big deal anymore. I mean, it's not a big deal to anybody else. Why should it be a big deal to us? And we begin to drift as a congregation. It has a pull. It can be so deceptive and so dangerous, so we must correct our course because the longer the delay, the further the drift. The longer you delay the correction, the further you drift off into the uncharted waters. And and I I see as a pastor 29 years at the same church, I've I've witnessed this with my own eyes. And as someone is drifting off, you you seem so helpless and you want to bring them back to the harbor. But sometimes it just seems it's so difficult. And and, and, and now you're the old guy. You're the funny dad. You you know, well, you know, you're just, pastor, the older you get, the the more narrow-minded you get. Maybe that's true. But the fact of the matter is, is I've lived long enough to know that drifting is inevitable unless we pay attention. We've got to pay attention. Therefore, decide a fixed direction. How many of you noticed inside of your bulletin there was 
10 goals. Did you see that? Does everybody have that? Here's what I want to challenge you to do. 10 goals that are new in 2022. The one thing I didn't put on here, and I apologize, it was my fault. I wanted to also add to that physical, intellectual, spiritual. I wanted to add a very important one that I'm sorry I didn't put on there, financial. So you might want to write that in. So you got 10 goals. You can do 20 or 30 or 40, but if you do 10, maybe two or three physical, two or three intellectual, two or three spiritual, two or three financial. And think about those areas of your life as you as you begin to feel that, and might, might I encourage you to do this on New Year's Eve with your family and read them out to one another. You know, we just had our Christmas gift to Jesus yesterday. And we go around the room and we all out loud take five minutes and just say, what are we going to give to Jesus this year? And, and Miss Yoshida, where are you at, Michelle? She was so precious. There she is in the front row. That's what you gave to Jesus. I'm going to sit on the front row. No, you didn't. Okay. And uh, but she was so precious, just what she gave to Jesus yesterday. 86 years old, still giving more of her life to Jesus. You know, that's what Christmas is. Chris more, Christmas, more of Jesus. And that's what we need. And she was precious. And all my family did that. We went around and just gave more of our lives to Christ. Can I tell you, setting goals is important. Setting goals are important. If you do not set any goals in your life, by the way, 95% of the world, it is said, or of our country, in a poll that was taken, never have any, stunning statement here, any written goals. Nobody ever writes them down. 5% write them down, and they say of the 5% that do write their goals down, 95% of the 5% see some of those goals reached. But 95% never write any of their goals down. Guess what, Gospelite? If you're here this morning, if you're listening online, thank you for joining us. Uh, You know, you can write down without the paper your goals, but we have a chance at this congregation this morning to have 100% of our congregation write down some new goals for 2022. Amen? That'd be exciting. Ten goals. Because I don't want to be a drifter. Goals that I'm setting physically and spiritually and, 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 and financially and intellectually. Write them out. Make them a part of your prayer life. You know, I was thinking as I was looking back, I'm, I'm always a little sentimental at the end of the year. Anybody like that? I just am. Oh, it's just crazy. I was crying down there worshiping, just thinking, God, another year. can't believe 29 years at this place and the family you've given me, the church family, just the, the Christmas was special with dad. At eight, that's 80 years old. You know, dad, I was leaving the house and my dad looked at me and he said, son, would you pray for me this year specifically that I don't fall? I'm like, dad, really? Because, yeah, I just, son, I just, I'm afraid to fall and, and, you know, and just not be able to walk or maybe hit my head. He says, just pray. And I'm thinking, man, my dad's never asked me to pray for something like that. Don't fall. But life begins as you get older. Things get, you know, you just get sentimental about some things. And so I, I, I got sentimental this week. I've got here in my hand the first bulletin in the history of Gospel Light. Look at this. We'll be taping the first service of Gospel Light. <laughs> we taped it, yeah. Welcome to the first service. I love Arkansas. I feel the Lord has called me here to do my best to reach all of central Arkansas with the gospel. During the morning service, you'll be informed of all the goals of our church. The purpose of our church. The opportunities of service at Gospel Light. I love this. We didn't have enough going on, so I, I put jokes on the back. <laughs> Child to Sunday school teacher. Why do shepherds, shepherds wash their socks at night? <laughs> Watch their flocks. Anyway. And um, 
Question, what fishing instructions did Noah give his sons? Answer, go easy on the bait. We've only got two worms. <laughs> I got another one on there. It's just a little bit longer, so I won't read it. It's clean, though. Anyway, but I've got, I've got this. <clears throat> Here is our first business meeting. And I, this is the bulletin. This is what it looked like. It's an orange piece of paper. It said, goals for Gospel Light in 1993. Average 300. Start five new Sunday school classes. 40 young people go to summer camp. Pass out 10,000 tracts. Give 10,000 to missions. Plant one new church. Feed 300 at Thanksgiving time. Man, I began to weep as I read that. and thought, oh, God, give me a vision again. Give me a vision, God, some new goals and some new things to set my mind to. And then I read in 2022, I grabbed this bulletin. Our theme was Revive Us Again. Happy 10th anniversary to the membership of Gospel Light. My vision for this ministry is getting larger and larger, but I believe God's vision for our ministry is much bigger than mine or yours could ever be. I had no idea when I came 10 years ago that I would be your pastor. And you had no idea 10 years ago when I came that I would be your pastor. But look what God has done. This was 19 years ago. And then I found this little piece of yellow paper that I wrote down. On the top, I have ambitions. I found it in a file. I used to see my office. It's all torn apart. I'm trying to clean it, but I'm finding all kinds of cool stuff. This one, I don't, I don't remember. Here it is. My first goal was to, ha- to have a church on the corner of 3rd and Hobson. I was just off two blocks. We had a church on 3rd and South. And I, I must have wanted to build a building on the bus parking lot because that would be 3rd and Hobson. Where, where the big parking lot, I, call, I still call it the bus parking lot, forgive me, it's where we used to park our buses. But you know the big open lot there where the, where the sign is? So I put, build a church on the corner of 3rd and South. Well, we didn't do that, but we're on, we're on 4th and Garland, so that's close enough. Amen? I've got, have a teen center for our teenagers to worship. That was reached. Coach my sons in basketball. I got to coach all three of my boys in basketball. That was before that. Wow. Gospel-like Christian school, 500 students. I don't think Tim's here today, but Tim, we got a long way to go on that one. (laughs) Have a big charter bus for the church. Have 250 Bible college students plant churches. Have a bus maintenance shop. We've got that. Start a Spanish church. We did that. Start a rescue mission. Haven't done that yet. Start a ministry to special needs children. It's before I had Glory Ann. Have my pastor who led me to Christ preach at our church. He's done that. Tony and Marsha put, have an orphan ministry. But I think what I would have said today was, have a ministry to foster care children. And we have that. I just got to reading this, oh, this list that I thought over. I did have on here have Steve Green sing at Gospel Light, but he, I never got that. But I did listen to his Christmas music. I, I, I sure wish I could have had Steve Green. Maybe we still can. He's still singing. But. And I just thought about all those goals that I set, and I was convicted because, honestly, it's been a few years since I've really intentionally sat down, and I'm going to do it. I'm excited. I'm going to join you this year, if you'll join me this year, in setting some goals this year for your, your family. Have you ever taken time to write them down to keep from drifting? 
Because without goals like a ship, without a rudder, like a ship, without a a, a compass, like a ship, without a sail, like a ship, without an anchor, you will drift through 2022. And you'll find yourself no farther down the road. If anything, you'll find yourself maybe farther away from God unless you have a fixed direction. You see, most people don't plan to fail. They simply do not plan to do anything. They don't plan to fail. They just don't plan. And when you don't plan to do anything, guess what? You won't do anything. In fact, you you may find yourself in a place farther away from where you were. All of us should have goals. Mothers should have goals. Fathers should have goals. Pastors should have goals. Doctors should have goals. Lawyers should have goals. Business people should have goals. Athletes should have goals. And I want to tell you right now how you know if your goal is a God-given goal. I've just got a few things I wrote down here that you will know if this is a goal before, after you write it down, ask yourself, is this goal God-given and God-approved? Here's a way to, here's a checklist for you. Just something to kind of come alongside you. Fill these out. Number one, first of all, can you pray over it? You write that goal down and you ask yourself this question. Can I ask God to bless this goal? Can God bless this? Can I pray over this goal? God, help me to reach this goal. This is something that God, I believe, is going to help me and help our church and help our country and help our city. Number two, does that goal create in you enough spiritual enthusiasm necessary to see it fulfilled? Can you get excited about it? Can can you get excited about the goal? Does it produce in you enough spiritual enthusiasm? In other words, the, the foundation of the goal is connected to God. It's connected to spirituality. It's something that you want to accomplish so you can give God glory when you, when you see it done. Not yourself, but God glory. Number three, does it demand the very best in you? Because let me tell you something, church. God deserves our best. God does not deserve uh, you know, our second best, our third best, or just part of our efforts. God deserves everything we've got. So if it's a goal that demands your very best, it is a God-given, God-approved goal. And number four, does it touch every area of your life? Because I believe that God's concerned with every area of our life. That's why I mentioned the physical and the intellectual and the spiritual and the financial. God's concerned about all those things. Very early in my life, I began to understand the importance of having direction. It all happened for me. If I could tell you just a quick testimonial, it all happened, it began for me when I got called to the ministry. I was 15 years old. I was sitting in church on a Wednesday night. It was back when we still had corporate services. We still have a lot going on on Wednesday night, probably more than we've ever had, to be honest. But back then, we just had the one service, and we, you know, we, 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 we sat, and we all listened to the same message. It was fine. It was great. It was a blessing. I like the way we do it now. I think it's great. But back then, I, I sat in that service, and I got called to preach. And I walked the aisle, and I told my pastor that I was... And this was big for me because I wanted to be an NBA basketball coach. I mean, and, and I'm going to tell you something. I was, I, was, I was fired up about it. I mean, my, my hero was Pat Riley, coach of the Los Angeles Lakers. And I wanted to be just like old Pat. But God got a hold of my heart and said, no, that's not the way I want you to go. I couldn't pray over that goal. I, that goal wasn't going to touch every area of my life. I just knew that wasn't the goal that God had for me. So God began to impress upon me to preach the gospel. And so I, I surrendered on a Wednesday night. By myself. None of my family was there. 
The pastor presented me to the church. He turned me around. He said, church, I have an announcement to make. We don't normally have decisions on Wednesday night after Bible studies. I didn't talk anything about this. I'm really not sure how this has happened other than God is calling this young man, Eric Capese, who got saved two years ago at our church to preach the gospel. And he said, I just want Eric to know and all this congregation to know that this is the highest calling in all the world to be a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When I heard those words, a light went on. I remember thinking as a little, you know, former Roman Catholic altar boy standing by himself in front of that congregation with no family there. I, I, I remember my shoulders perching up and my chest getting out and thinking, man, dude, he just said this is the greatest thing anybody could ever do with their life. I'm on to something here. Can I tell you, it's been 100 miles an hour towards Jesus ever since that day. I've just been fixed on this call that God's placed on my life to preach the gospel, to, to, to manage the word of God, to be able to teach it and preach it and build a church and see souls saved and lives changed. I have determined the power of a goal that has kept me from being a drifter. And that is fixing my eyes on the prize of the calling that God has placed on my life. And by the way, whatever God's called you to do, plumber, electrician, doctor, lawyer, contractor, businessman, teacher, doesn't matter. All of those are worthy callings if the calling that you have is to further the gospel of Jesus, is to tell others about Christ through what he's called you and brought you into, if to use the resources that you have to further God's kingdom. These are the goals we need to set for whatever it is that we have been called to do with our lives. You say, Pastor, has it, has it been easy? No, it's not been easy. I've had some of the most outrageous storms come into my life. I've had the winds blow. I've had tornadoes hit our church before. Not actual ones, but financial tornadoes and, and, and problem tornadoes and situations that have been unfortunate. I mean, I'm telling you, the old ship's been battered. It's been torn. It's been hit. The old church has been 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 ravaged by storms in life and in ministry but i want you to know i've got an anchor and the anchor holds and it grips the solid rock so i'm still here by the grace of god still fired up people say pastor you know you seem to get a little more reserved and a little more quiet well those days are going to end i'm fired up again sorry i'm fired up again i'm ready to rock and roll let's get this thing done i'm fired up I believe with all of my heart what we need is to re-energize the church, revitalize the church, have revival in our church, and start setting goals in our church for our families, for our finances, our physical goals, our mental goals, our spiritual goals. Let's get our eyes off this world and get our eyes on heaven. There are some things that God wants us to do. I've determined a fixed direction. Helen Keller was born blind. Helen Keller was asked... Is there anything worse than being born blind? And she said, yes. It is to have sight and no vision. Wow. Something to ponder. To have sight but no vision. I don't want to be a drifter in 2022. So decide to have a fixed direction. Number two, determine a focused discipline. Look at verse number three. How shall we escape if we neglect? Underline those words in your Bibles. If you are in the habit of doing that, I think it's very healthy to do that. 
if we neglect such a great salvation, determine a focused discipline or you will neglect the great salvation that God has given you. Can I tell you something, church? Direction without discipline is a joke. It's a joke. You know, it's just, it, it just, it, it'll make you laugh when you think of, you can have all the direction you want, but if you don't add to that direction some discipline, no ship is going to get into the harbor unless it is brought into the harbor. It, it requires discipline. It requires focus. You will get your ship into the harbor, not by neglect, but by discipline. What, what ruins us? What ruins us? Neglect. Just neglect your health. Eat anything you want all the time. Just neglect your finances. Just spend all the money. Charge up your credit cards. Just forget the future. Don't worry about retirement. Don't, get a, don't worry about life insurance. Just, just neglect it all. Just, man, you know, live life, party, hardy, whatever happens, happens. Watch what happens to your fine. Just neglect your home. Neglect your front yard. Neglect your spiritual life. Neglect your devotions. What ruins us? Neglect. There is no escape, he says. There's no escape. You are not going to make it in this life unless you have some discipline and focus on this, which is called the great salvation. But why is our salvation great? You might be wondering. Let me give you four reasons. Number one, it is great because of its conception. Where it came from? Where it started? I'm going to tell you, Islam can't say this, and can, Buddhists, Buddhists can't say this. There is no other religion on planet Earth that can say that their, the foundation, where it all started, was in the heart and mind of God Almighty. Look at it in Hebrews chapter number 2 and verse number 3. How should we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Which at the first began to be spoken by who? By the Lord, not Joseph Smith. By the Lord. Now, not by some, some man, some, some, some person who come up with a new idea. No, this is a salvation that has been conceived in God. That's special. And that's what's so great. It's great because it began in the heart of God. Number two, it's great because of its confirmation. Look at verse 3. How shall we escape, escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? For 2,000 years, <laughs> how cool is this? For 2,000 years, what those apostles heard, they shared with somebody else, who 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 told somebody else, who shared with somebody else, and finally it reached you and it reached me, and we're still talking about it. Amen? Listen, I want you to know something, church. Our salvation stands on solid evidence. What he is saying is this, that, that our salvation has been confirmed by people who heard Jesus and told someone about him through the centuries. Number three, it is great because of its cost. Look at verse number nine, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of his death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Church, why did Jesus die? Jesus died that you might have this great salvation. 
That's why he died. And it's great because of the cost that Jesus paid for the salvation that you and I have. If you've, if you've received it. Just the other day I was in need of a realtor's advice. So I called Bobby Joe Schroeder, one of our great members here. And Bobby Joe went with me to a house, one of our church members' houses. And we were trying, I was trying to help this church member, and we were trying to figure out what the house was worth. And I said, Bobby, how do you figure out what a house is worth? And her answer was profound. You probably know what it was. I just haven't spent a whole lot of time with realtors. And she said, well, it just, it's worth how much someone's willing to pay for it. I said, that's a sermon illustration coming to a pulpit near you. It's worth what someone's willing. I'm worth that much? I'm worth so much that Jesus would die for me? Wow! This great salvation is great because of the cost. Jesus paid it all. Hallelujah! That is proof of how much we are worth. This salvation is great because of its conception, its confirmation, because of its cost. Jesus, the Bible says, tasted death for everyone. So the Bible asks the question, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? By the way, church, he's not talking about neglecting to be saved. He's talking to saved people who are spiritual drifters. These are people that have received this salvation and they are neglecting it. These are people who maybe in our, let's just put this in our context. Maybe they used to attend church faithfully, but they don't attend church faithfully anymore. Maybe they used to be good givers, used to tithe, used to give, but they don't do it anymore. Maybe they used to witness, tell others about Christ, pass out those 10,000 tracts, but that's ah, old. There's, there's other ways now we... We just, no, nah, we, don't, we, don't, we don't do that anymore. Maybe these are folks that used to have prayer and devotions. Brother Russ gave me this. Brother Russ, thank you, brother, gave me a Christmas gift. He said, I want you to open it tonight, today. How old are you, Russ? 80 years old, like my daddy. Praying you don't fall, amen? That's right. Russ gave me this book. Thank you, Russ. I'm going to use it this year. I said, I looked in it. He hadn't signed it. I said, Russ, would you sign it for me? He got his pen out. He said, to Brother Eric from Brother Russ, the pocket Bible devotional for men. I love it. I'm going to add this to my little arsenal of morning devotions. My first one, Russ, is going to be on January. Number one, discover God's abundance. Man, it's just one page. It's going to take me about one minute to read this, Russ. But every day, I'll have a little way to to read something in addition to what, what the other things that I do. And I just felt compelled to share that with the church, to be accountable to you and thank Russ for this wonderful gift that he gave me, a devotional. And I want to encourage you to set your goal and discipline towards having devotions every morning with God. What I wanted to say right there is, can I get an amen? But I'll wait. And we'll wait until after the first of the year. But I want to challenge you not to drift. Slowly, we drift from these things. We neglect our salvation. We don't even realize it. But you will not escape shipwreck. You're on your way to shipwreck. And it's, it's awful. I mean, I've seen. How could that happen? I mean, this year has been a tough year on me. I've seen the greatest apologist of our time 
He shipwrecked. His whole ministry went down. I've seen great megachurch pastors go just resign and fold their churches. I've seen hundreds of pastors like myself pastoring mid-sized churches. I mean, just by the groves, just dozens of, of infants. Some I knew, some I didn't know. Shipwreck. How does this happen? I mean, it could happen to me. Church, it could happen to me in 2022. I must have an upward view. I must have a fixed direction. I must have a determined focus. Or my life too will be shipwrecked. If you drift, you're headed for danger. And this salvation, it's just too great to neglect. It's just too great to neglect. Number four, this salvation is great in its content. Think about this. Romans chapter, or rather Hebrews chapter 2 verse 11. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified, that's us, that's him. We all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed. Are you ready for this? He's not ashamed to call them brothers. Is that, is that, that's not even, that, that does not take a theologian to get. We don't have to go into a great Bible study to figure that one out. Jesus just called you and I his brother. Okay, amen? I am a blood brother of Jesus Christ. I am kin to the Holy Trinity. Amen. This is amazing. What a salvation. What a salvation for he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. We are partakers of the divine nature. I'm trying to tell you why your salvation is so great. This is not something just to look at and say, well, yeah, I got saved you know, 33 years ago. It's, it's cool. I mean, that was a long time ago, though. I mean, since then, I've been, man, like, I own a business. I, I got this. I've done this. I've done that. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. The greatest thing that's ever happened to you is the day you got saved, and it should be the greatest thing that's ever happened to you right now. Nothing is as great as this salvation. How can we drift? How can we sleep? How can we yawn at this amazing thing called salvation, the blessings that God has given us, that he's bestowed upon us, and this will not happen without discipline. My dad told me this past week, he said, son, I want to challenge you to do something. I said, he said, I've been doing this for years. I said, what's that, dad? He said, every Thursday night, I go to the chapel at 10 p.m., I said, all right, I'm listening, Dad. So every Thursday night at 10 o'clock at night, he goes, yeah, yeah, I'll make sure my wife's in bed. And I get in my car and I drive to the chapel. It's always open. And I walk in and I sit on one of the pews. And for one hour, I just gaze on Jesus. My daddy told me. I just thank him for his blessings. He started crying. He said, I thank him for a son who's a Baptist preacher and then another son who's a Baptist preacher. I just thank him that even though my marriage didn't work out, and sometimes he said, son, that still bothers me. Sometimes it still bothers me that I just couldn't work it out. But you know what? In spite of my foolishness, God has been so good. And my dad just went on to say, son, this year, would you spend an hour every week Gazing upon God and thanking him for his blessings. I said, Dad, that's not too much time. That's not too much. I don't want to wait till I'm 80 to do that or whenever you started. I think he started in his 70s. 
church, this great salvation is great because of its content. It's worthy of an hour of sitting alone and just gazing upon God and thanking him for what he's done for us. And then finally, decide a fixed direction, and I'm done. Determine a focused discipline. By the way, worship team, don't ever give a pastor this much time. This is a great mistake. Anyway, I looked at my watch and said, I can preach longer. Yeah. Sorry. Number three, I don't think many of you had small group anyway. You, you need this, all right? Number three, develop a firm devotion. Develop a firm devotion. Because direction and discipline without devotion will not succeed. Let me say that again. Direction and discipline without devotion will not succeed. Cody, that's exactly what you said a moment ago. The old boy had direction. I give him credit. I don't fault him for looking down. That's a great, I've done that many times. That's a good idea. Look down. Amen. Direction. And that's discipline. Stay down. But your dad had it, bro. Devotion. That's the key. Because you can have those two things and fall in an hour, 30 minutes. But if you've got devotion, if you're fixed on Jesus, If instead of being so determined not to do what's wrong, if you look at the perfect one who's never failed, who loves us so much that he gave his only son to die for our sins, if we'll focus on him, devotion, that's what it's needed in 2022. Listen, turn to Hebrews and I'll close. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 19, the very last point that I have in the whole sermon. The writer of Hebrews picks up exactly on the same thought. We were in Hebrews 2 for the message Now we're closing in Hebrews 6. He speaks of the hope that we have. He says we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. A hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. What does that mean? Well, he's still talking about the sea. He's talking as a mariner getting into the harbor. He talks about this steadfast anchor, this sure anchor. And he says that we have this anchor because the anchor, as you well know, is a symbol of our Christian faith. There's three symbols of our Christian faith. You know what they are? You know what they are. Number one, there's the cross. That's the greatest symbol, amen? But then there's the fish. And many of you would know that the fish is a symbol of our faith. And then there's the anchor. The anchor. He is saying that in order to keep from drifting, we need an anchor of hope that grips the solid rock of truth that's connected to the cable of faith. And as you and I understand this anchor, and by the way, I understand it from going on that little trip in the Florida because we got inside the harbor and my kid, grandkids, Benny and, and uh, Bentley and KJ said, can we go swimming? We're in this big, huge $2 million boat. And they want to go swimming in the harbor. I'm like, no, you can't go swimming. We're in the middle of this harbor. Look at all these boats. Kids, y'all, y'all be quiet. Sit down. Jim's like, sure. I'm like, yeah, we can go swimming. Cool, of course we can. So I was thinking, we can? <laughs> Jim said, yeah. He said, come with me. We went back to that yacht, went to the very back. And there's an anchor. I said, so, so what's that going to do? He said, watch this. He puts that anchor down, gets it down, all the way down, firm grips the, oh, you, you, could, 
You couldn't see the anchor, but you could feel the tug. I can't see the anchor, but I can feel the tug. Amen? I know God's there. I know he's with me. They put that old anchor down, and boat sat there, didn't move, didn't drift, didn't go anywhere. Just sat right in the middle of a wide portion of the harbor, and he gets out this little speedboat thing, and the grandkids get in it. We drive around that boat for about an hour. Had to blast because we got an anchor. Mm. That's good, isn't it? Y'all get that? That was a dance right there. That was a dance. I don't know what, I, I don't know how to dance, but that felt good. It's the new year. Live it up a little bit. Come on. What a blessing. The anchor. Let us do something that only the anchor can do, and that is keep us firm. We need an anchor. I told my secretary, I said, I'm just curious, Carrie. She's on vacation, by the way. But I said, Carrie, could you see if there's, how many hymns are there about an anchor? Will your anchor hold in the storms of life when the clouds unfold their wings of strife? When the strong tides lift and the cables strain, will your anchor drift? Or firm remain. We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll. Fastened to the rock that cannot move. Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. Though the angry surges roll on my tempest-driven soul, I am peaceful For I know, wildly though the winds may blow, I have an anchor safe and sure that can evermore endure, and it holds my anchor holes. Blow your wildest then, O gale, on my bark so small and frail. By his grace, I shall not fail. I know the old folks are appreciating this. Aren't you guys? Brother Pittman, for my anchor holes. My anchor holes. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ, my righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. Here's my favorite one. Can I sing it? My soul in sad exile was out on life's sea. So burdened. With sin and distress, till I heard a sweet voice saying, make me your choice. Then I entered the haven of rest, because I've anchored my soul in the haven of rest. I'll sail those wild seas no more. The tempest may sweep o'er the wild stormy deep but in Jesus I'm safe evermore church we have an anchor and it holds I can't see the anchor I can't see it but I know it's there so this year let's not drift amen especially spiritually 
This coming Sunday, I'm going to be preaching the first sermon of the new year. I'll be addressing our theme. And you'll be introduced to it next week. Banners will be up. Calendars will be out. I need to ask another question just to make sure. Did everybody receive this in your... Did you, did you get this? If you would, take a look at this. Mark your calendars. In fact, Scott, I liked your idea, and we've got, it's, I'm about done, and it's, the worship team can come on up. It's 12.03. If you've got a phone right now, get your phones out. Let's do this. It's the last Sunday of the year. We've got a lower crowd than normal. Can I get a little casual? Is that okay? Everybody okay with that? Who's going to disagree with me right here? No, preacher, bless God, I don't want to go. Okay. All right. Get your phones out and scan that little See that? Just do it real quick. You mind doing that? You got a phone? Just put, take a picture of that while they're coming. I'm done. And here's what I want you to do. This is going to be awesome. This is going to be awesome. When you scan that little barcode, it's going to drop down a way that you can take a minute, literally 60 seconds, and sign up right now to receive a daily email from our Arkansas Baptist State Convention. It's phenomenal. In fact, guess who does it? The pastor of Hot Springs Baptist, Manly Beasley, one of the great, great men of the faith in our town. Manly will have a short devotional, and I'm going to tell you what we're going to do on this prayer and fasting next Sunday. Don't be afraid. Don't be nervous. Don't say, 21 days, pastor. Don't be a fanatic. I'm not. Do not worry. I'm not going to put too much on us. I just want you to get that video, and I want you to consider next Sunday's message early as we introduce how we are going to participate. Can I tell you what fasting does? I think the best message I've ever heard Jeremy Horton preach was the message on fasting and prayer. Jeremy, I'll I'll never forget it. In fact, I'm going to resend it to everybody after next Sunday's sermon. I'm going to resend that video so everybody can listen to that sermon if you miss it or if you, it, it was about six months ago powerful message on fasting and prayer and fasting helps you focus and we need focus right now as we face this new year Darian we do we need focus we're, we're so the winds are blowing so hard it's, it's just hard to stay the course but we can do it church with God's help and through fasting and prayer we can see a great revival So let's fix our direction. Let's focus our discipline. Let's firm up our devotion. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. So, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? At the end of your worship, God, I just have this simple statement. We can have an upward view in 2022 because we have an anchor that holds and his name is Jesus Christ so church join me this year in setting some goals and staying focused may we this year set sail on an ocean that's going to be wild it's going to be crazy come on now is America not crazy this place is wild man this world's gone mad brother you seem pretty calm I have an anchor It grips the solid rock. Church, America's either ripe for judgment or revival. I believe it's revival. I do.
If you need to be saved today, I want you to come in just a moment. If you need to be saved, if you've never trusted Christ, if some of this is a little unusual for you and you you don't know that there's ever been a time in your life where you have said yes to Jesus, repented of your sins, turned to him by faith, then I want to encourage you this morning to make that decision. You could do it right now where you're seated. You could do it as you come to an altar. You can wait till after the service if you'd like and find myself or Scott or Jeremy or Cody or anybody. Thomas over here. I mean, we'd love to sit down and share with you what this means and what this looks like. How it changed our lives. It's incredible. But if you need to come and pray at the altar with somebody, Jeremy and Butch will be here with me. Jeremy will be here, Butch here, I'll be over here. And we'll be waiting for you if you need somebody to pray with you. Well, Chloe's going to sing too, and, and well, the whole worship team is. But this is my favorite song that she sings. It's called, what's the name? Frontiers. So just listen to the words as you worship and respond and pray. Listen to the words as we look to Jesus and look to this new frontier and know that God has called us into something greater. Father, I love you. I thank you for this day. I thank you for the blessing of this service. I knew it would be different. I figured, God, it would be smaller with sickness and traveling. And there's a lot, Lord, that has really displaced people. But Father, we're here. And those online have heard God bring us together today for this cause. This cause of having an upward view in 2022. Keeping our eyes fixed on you and knowing, God, that there are greater things ahead. We love you. We praise you. We worship you. We give you all the glory for the blessings. And God, we anticipate even more. In Jesus' name. Amen. Shall we stand?